Thank you very much for the privilege of being here right here, right now. God, I want to thank you that the path that you have set for us leading up to the time of the proclamation of the Word of God. And I want to thank you for the music that we have experienced, the ministry that we have experienced already. Father, for Katie's song, I just thank you so much. And more than the song, the reality of how it's impacted her life, my life, and our life. And God, I want to pray now that the Holy Spirit would have his free will and free way in this sanctuary. God, do not let us leave today without your touch and what you have for us from the word of God. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to touch the hearts of men, women, and students. For some, that might mean a fresh uh, encounter with Jesus Christ. For some, it might mean a first-time encounter with Jesus Christ. But what we do today is not rote or religion. It is a cry to you, Father, for you to impact us so we can impact the world around us. So thank you, God, for this privilege that I have to share today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, shoot that thing. What a good song. What a good... I, I, did y'all see what happened? I'm so excited. I just left my Bible in the front row. I said, we're going to give the invitation and go home. <laughs> oh, I thank God. Thank you, Katie, so much. That, that tenor of that song just really shouts to us, if we could just be honest, if we could take the plastic off... What an impact it would make in our lives. Well, we're in this series now. Week number, is it week number two in the 1090 series? And let me take just a moment and explain what we're doing. We're we're, we're working on the premise of what if we took the first 10% of 2017 in our teaching and preaching opportunities and allow that to prepare us for the rest of the 90% of the year. I personally believe that God can change our course and change our path in 2017 for His good, our good and His glory. I really believe that. And I really want God to impact us. I don't, as the song says and the choir sings it, I don't want to survive, I want to thrive. And I don't want you to just survive, I want you to thrive. And I'm going to go one step further, I don't want our church to survive, I'm looking for God to make it possible that our church will thrive. Now, one thing about being a pastor is, is you you get to pick, you know, what you teach. And I'm not sure when this happened, but I gave my wife the official notification. And I said this, I said, Judy, if if I ask you if we're on the newlywed game or something like, well, I guess you don't do newlywed game after 41 years. I don't know. But anyway, I said, if anybody asks you my favorite verse in the Bible for two verses if here it is officially, it's changed. It's Psalm 37, 23, and 24. I can't get over it. I discovered it about three or four years. In fact, I've lost my Bible. I don't know where it is. That's not uncommon. But what I have today is the Bible that they gave me when I was ordained. And that was in 1983, I believe it was. Let me see here. Well, it doesn't matter. 1983. And I looked and I said, hey, I wonder if that verse is highlighted in this Bible. And it was not. It was not. It's about five years ago that God really just, it's one of those times it just opened up off the pages and really impacted my life. And I don't think it's been at least, it's been at least seven, eight years. If I have preached these verses, I reference them all the time and will continue to do so. Um, but I haven't really preached a, a message on these verses in at least seven, eight years, if, if ever before. 
Now, it's called pathways because this verse talks about how God ordains our paths. And you need to know this. That's not a truth just for preachers. It's not just a, tr- a truth even for adults. It's for students. Um, it's for kids that know Jesus. You know, it, it, the bottom line is God has this pathway. He's working on us. And we've got to trust that because sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Now, let me tell you a story. Not because it's about me, but I think it's very appropriate. And it's one of my favorite stories about my life. And that happened in 1972. I took the, the Armed Forces skill test where they determine what you're talented for. I was going in the Air Force, and they're supposed to determine your test. And I told you this part before, you know, that, that my dad was a mechanic. I had a brother who's a mechanic, another brother, well, two more brothers who were very mechanically minded. So I naturally assumed that I would go into some kind of a mechanical skill set in the Air Force. Well, it came back, and it was a 702XO. And you say, well, what does that mean? It basically means this. I was going to be a secretary. I was going to be a secretary. Now, can I just be honest with you? It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Uh, this, is, this is before PC. Okay? It's before the computer PC, but it's also before political correctness. And the bottom line was this. Now, in the military, yes, but really outside of the military, there were not male secretaries. Now, there were, there were some in the military, but, but when somebody, you know, what do you do for, I st- it's to this day, to this day. So what did you do in the Air Force? You know, like, did you fly jets? Did you nuke the Russians? Uh, no, I typed. <laughs> oh, wow, what a hero. Woo-hoo, yeah. You know, it wasn't a very thrilling thing. And they had a term in the Air Force that I can't share publicly, but boy, was it not flattering. And so that's, that was it. I was so disappointed when, when, I, when God, you know, God made me a, a secretary. I'm going, what's the, the deal with that? Well, it was more than that because as I advanced in rank, I got the, the opportunity to, to, uh, to be a supervisor and different things like that. But here's what I didn't know. God knew exactly what he was doing. Because 10 years later, from 1972 to 1982... God did this crazy thing and said, I want you to get out of the Air Force. And I want you to be a pastor. And crazy enough was, I was a full-time pastor while I was still in the full-time Air Force. So there was no, like, training. There was nothing, Brent. You just kind of jumped into the pond and started swimming. And the reason this is so important, can you imagine how difficult that might have been If for the last 10 years, from 1970 to 1982, I worked on jet engines. Instead, I had spent 10 years, well, obviously typing, obviously filing, obviously learning phone etiquette, but also learning how to research, learning how to write, learning how to gather information and put it together. And I gladly and proudly say what I didn't know was God sent me to 10 years of school preparing me for the administrative side of being a pastor. What I didn't see in 1972, he broadly revealed in 1982. And I want to tell you this. That's not just my story. That's the story of every believer. That God is working in our lives and with our past to prepare us for this incredible great adventure that Stephen Curtis Chapman just sang about 
as we journey with him. So I'd like for you to take your Bibles. I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. We'll have it on the screens. It's on your sermon sheets, out in your bulletins. It's just an incredible scripture. And I really would like to take time to go through, not word by word, but pretty close phrase by phrase. Because this thing is just, just exploding with truth that will, now listen, that will prepare you for 2017. It will help you to grasp and understand 2017 through the lens and through the eyes of God. Now, I think what we have on the screen, I believe, is in, a, in the bulletin sheet, the sermon sheet, is going to be uh, the New King James Version. And here's what it says. Look at verse number 23 of Psalm 37. Listen carefully. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. I'll try to do this. I have not planned to do this, but let me see if I can get this in first person. So the steps of Dwayne or Steve or Joey or John or Ruth or, or Helen, the steps of those people, any person, are ordered by God speaking first person, by me. And I delight in your way. How incredible. How incredible. How incredible that this God, this creator God of the universe says, Dwayne, Susie, Ralph, your steps, your steps are ordered by me. It's actually more, more incredible than that, especially on this Sanctity of Life Sunday. You know, I'm going to read to you, listen to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. And this, again, I, I honestly believe in the context, you could say, well, that just talks to Jeremiah. I don't think so. I think it goes bigger than that. Listen to, what, listen to what God said to Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah speaking, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That truth, that principle, I believe, applies to every person that God does have a plan. And it's probably bigger than you could ever imagine. Written, written, as it says for Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. In the same way God spoke these words over Jeremiah, our father would speak those words to us. And say, before I formed you in the womb, before I knew you, I sanctified you, I ordained you. How incredible is that? And so the day we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, I'm going to start with that point. The day, the day we, we ask Christ in our lives, this incredible journey starts to unfold. You know, a psalm that gets, it's not fair, Psalm 23 is always read, you know, read at funerals. You rarely hear it preached. You rarely hear it outside the context of somebody died. But with the idea of the steps of the Lord are ordered by the Lord, just listen as I read to you a couple of verses in Psalm 23 with the idea that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my leader. He's my guide. I shall not want. He makes me 
He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He says, he would say, Dwayne, you as a sheep, you need to pause in an area where there's lush grass because that's good for you. He would say, he leads me beside the still waters. He leads me beside the waters that will refresh my life. He goes on and says in verse 3, He restores my soul. He refreshes my soul. He leads me and He leads me in the paths of righteousness. And you can really translate that. He leads me in the paths of right living. Now I know, I know, I know. We take right living, we take righteousness, and we want to say, Oh, we got to do that to please God. No, 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 no. No. That's not the idea of righteousness or right living. The idea and the concept of right living is because that is the John 10.10 principle. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Look at me. I'm telling you that you will live the happiest and the most purposeful when you're within the realm of right living, righteous living, within the scope and the will of the God that you love and serve. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come from me. And Brent, you just touched on that so beautifully. You know, when you, we, when you got to, to, to speak right before the offering, I believe it was, and, and, you, and you said, you know, that God is this good God. You know, as you prayed, you said, you know, in spite of your sister being ill, in spite of this year, I lost a, last year, now I lost a brother about a year ago this time. Now, you may have lost a spouse, you may have lost a loved one, you may have lost your job. You may, you may be at a point where you're confused and you don't understand what's going on. Even though you walk through those valleys, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Do you see the significance and the bigness of the thought, the concept, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? It may lead beside quiet waters. It may stay beside green pastures. But it may go through the valley of the shadow of death. Even so, we won't fear. Someone say, we won't fear. I will not be a slave to fear. Because he leads me. He's with me. The steps of a good man. Now somewhere, either on the radio or someone sitting here, you're going, yeah, that might be true for good people, Dwayne, but you don't understand. I may be a believer, but man, I'm not good. In fact, if I were honest, y'all would probably have a special call business meeting and vote me out of the fellowship. Well, that's because you don't understand good. See, we want to we still bank this good thing on how well we perform. We want to take this good thing, how well we keep the rules. And frankly, we wouldn't make it anyway. And I'm not even talking about salvation. I'm talking about purposeful, successful living with Jesus Christ. Listen, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5.20. Listen to these words. Listen. I tell you, he says, speaking to the people, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses or exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds that, of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you, are, if you have the propensity, if you have the tendency to be a rule follower and saying, because I keep the rules, 
Even if you're really, really, really good at that, Jesus says you've got to surpass that of the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And you know what? They were professional good people. When they had show and tell at school, the kid would stand up and say, I want to introduce my dad. And he's a scribe or he's a Pharisee and his job is to be good. I mean, these guys were professional good people. And Jesus said, you've got to go beyond that. And most of us seeing this room today go, I might do pretty good, but I'm not that good. So about this time, we won't be like the disciples and say, well, if that's true, who then can be saved? Well, see, God has a different interpretation, a different definition of good. And it doesn't include keeping the rules. And it doesn't include trying to earn his favor. It's another, I just love this scripture, this sermon. This one's going to Africa with me. I already decided that. You know, I just love this because it's, it's one of those scriptures that I discovered a few years ago that just have exploded in my ministry and my teaching. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Here's what it says. I tell you. It doesn't say I tell you. For he made him. Now, let's pause there. He made him. Let's, let's, let's get rid of the pronouns. God the Father made his son Jesus Christ. He made him. God the Father made Jesus Christ his son. You got it? God the Father made his son Jesus Christ who knew no sin to be sin. Who knew no sin to be sin. God the Father made his son Jesus Christ who knew no sin to be sin. Now here's what's crazy. The word sin here from the original language in the Greek translates to act contrary to the will of God. So so we're going to go one step further. God the Father made His Son, Jesus Christ, who never acted contrary to the will of God, to be contrary to the will of God. Wow. If you ever, if you ever want to know how much God loves you, it's just not that there was Christmas, and it's just not that there was Easter. It's what happened on the cross at Easter when God, the Holy Son, God incarnate, the Son of God, became contrary to the will of God. That's how much. He made a huge investment. Why? <laughs> that we might become... That we might experience the state of righteousness of God in Him. He became contrary to the will of God so that we could become not contrary to the will of God. Come on, come on. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's not contingent on my performance. It's contingent on the fact that God said, through Jesus Christ, through His blood, through our repentance, and through our faith in Him, we are the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. Now, your performance can't change that. 
Hey, Satan, you can't change that. Hey, devils, you can't change that. Your whoops can't exchange that. Your mistakes can't change that. Your wayward path can't change that. Once you're truly born again, you are the righteousness of God. So, 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 the steps of a good man, you couldn't be good. So God just dumped good on you. You see, <laughs> hang on, Becca. You're gooder than you think you are. <laughs> because your gooderness, now that's a good word. Your gooderness isn't yours in the first place. It's Christ. And He just dumped the whole bucket on you. He just dumped the whole bucket on you. So the steps, the path of this good man are ordered by the Lord. There, a lot of the translations use the word are established by the Lord. As I was studying, the word orchestrated came to my mind. That this pathway, these steps are orchestrated by the Lord. You know, I do love music. I love music. And I love it when you can hear whether it's southern gospel or whether it's, whether it's an orchestra playing, when all the pieces come together. And it's just beautiful, harmonic state. I could go to the piano. I know three chords, C, F, and G. And I could play a C chord with one, one note off, and it would sound very disharmonious. But if I hit all three right, bam, there's that beautiful harmony. That's what God has done with these steps of ours. He is orchestrating a beautiful harmony with you and His will. His plan for you. This beautiful harmony. Let's listen again. One of these just verses that we love. Now, I want you to understand. The context of Jeremiah 29, 11 is to the nation of Israel. But what I love about that, is, and, and, and as it pertains to the nation of Israel, they were in disobedience. And God was saying, I've got a plan for you. Even when we are as God's children, even when we're walking that crazy path, this would be true. I know. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God says, you may not know the path, but I know the path. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Someone needs to hear that. Because you are bound and determined to try to believe as a child of God, and maybe before you're a child of God, you're bound and determined that God wants to harm you. Your circumstance has shouted and said, God hates you. God doesn't love you. It may sound very similar to the voice of Satan because that's probably who it is. He says, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I, I have plans to give you a hope and a future. These, these, these pathways, he delights in it because it's a plan to prosper you, uh, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. If you want to reach down and hold on to your socks, I'll give you a verse that will bless them off. Have you ever heard the phrase, bless your socks off? I want to make sure you know where I was going with that. I had to write this in, so I hope I can read my writing. It's one we've used occasionally, but you probably need to write this one down. Zephaniah 3.17. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. 
The mighty warrior who saves. Someone say amen. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. But will rejoice over you with singing. So there's a God up in heaven. He's the creator God. And he is our refuge. He's the mighty warrior. He takes great delight in us to the point he bursts out in song over you. And not just you who think you sometimes get it right. Every one of his children. Every one of you who have been redeemed by the blood of the precious Son of Jesus Christ, every one of you who turned from your sin have chosen to follow Christ, He rejoices over you with great delight and burst into song saying, I'm glad you're mine. I wonder if it's that old song, I love you truly, truly dear. Because He does. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He delights in our Is that nothing but good news? Now, here's the challenge. Are you going to believe that, Charlie, this year? Are you willing to live in a way that, wait a minute, wait wait a minute. My God's not disappointed in me. He loves me. He delights in me. He bursts into song over me. I'm telling you, it will change something. I wish I'd I'd have brought the book, and I didn't. My wife does these incredible things. And she bought a children's book and gave it to me. It's not quite done yet, but she brought a children's book. And it's about, about because of who you are. Some, just, a, just a cool thought. And she writes stuff in it. She went back in her journal and found things from 1995 and 1997 and 1999. Just saying thoughts and praying prayers over me. And then in the, in the, in the onset of the introduction, she says to Dwayne... And then she writes all these things like, you're the greatest gift to me Jesus Christ ever gave. And, and you're the reason I exist. And all these wonderful things. And you know, I looked at her and said, is this true? Did I do that? Is this true? Can you love me that much? I'm so full of warts. I'm so broken. Is this true? Oh, my brothers and sisters. Each one of us probably should pause and say, God, God, is this true? Do you love me so much that even though while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us? Do you love me so much that, that he who was never contrary to the will of God became contrary to the will of God? And you know what God the Father would say? Yes. Yes, yes. That will impact your journey with God this year if you believe that and buy that. And it is true. It is true. Dwayne, what if I mess up? And see, that's what I like about these two verses. That's why you need to memorize them. That's why they need to become your favorite verses in the Bible. Because the psalmist next says this. And though he 
fall. The psalmist says, you know, the steps of good men are ordered by the Lord and he delights my path. But what if I fall, God? What if I fall? And you will. <laughs> you will. Some of you, some of y'all, I'm telling you, some of y'all need to understand this. You ain't perfect. <laughs> you are not perfect, I'm telling you. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We all fall. Katie, where are you? It's your song, bud. It's your song. It's what we are. We're not perfect. If we're honest, if we're honest, we're not perfect, are we? So, so if he fall. See, we need to let fall, falling bother us a little bit because we'll appreciate God's grace more. We need to let, now don't let it overwhelm you, but we need to let falling bother us a little bit more because it makes us appreciate the grace of God. I'm trying to think, who, who does it not bother to fall? A stinking drunk. I mean someone who has blown their mind. And somebody's in the room going, yeah, I've been there. You've seen it. They fall down. Whoops, <laughs> here we go. Let's try it again. Maybe so many of us don't mind falling because we're drunk with ourselves. It doesn't bother us to fall because it never occurred to us that God may have something better for us. So it all bothers a little bit. The more you, more you appreciate falling, the more you'll appreciate the word of God. If, if I fall, he shall not be, the person shall not be utterly cast down. You know what that means in Hebrew? Will not be thrown away. To cast down means to throw away. Now this is cool. So here's this creator God in the universe. He says, hey Dwayne, if you fall, I won't throw you away. Someone say amen. I won't throw you away. Dwayne, you're not beyond redemption. You're not beyond rescue. You've not, listen, listen, someone needs to hear this. You've not gone too far. If you fall, you need to understand something. I'm not going to throw you away. Husbands, your wife needs to know that. That you'll never leave her nor forsake her. Women crave security. And that should make us feel secure in Christ. That when we fall, not, God's not going to change His mind and say, you're not worth saving. You're not worth keeping. He says, if you fall, you will not be thrown away. Listen, listen to Luke. We're going to do a study on Peter coming up, but this may be in there, so I won't spend too much time. But listen to Luke twenty-two thirty-one. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you in that precious. Isn't it glad there's a, there's a Savior who's an intercessor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Listen. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. 
Jesus could say, now you know what he's fixing to do, don't you? I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Talk about Jesus. Jesus could have said, you're not worth keeping. You're beyond redemption. You walk with me three years, and the first opportunity you get, you say, I don't know him. You know what Jesus says? When you're converted, when you're turned around, when you come to your senses, when you wake up, strengthen your brothers because they got the same problem. Look at me. I don't know what you think you've done that God can't use you. But may I say this? It's a lie from Satan. It's a lie from Satan. You may think you are so deeply scarred that the creator of God of the universe can't use you. And boy, can he. Boy, can he. So if you fall, you're not beyond repair. You're not beyond redemption. You're not trash. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Fall down. If you're, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you fully get this. Your little child falls down, and if you're any kind of a parent at all, you're going to reach down and pick that child up, dust him off, and hold his hand for him instead of him holding your hand, and walk with him. Because we are upheld by his strong hand. You've got to understand this. Sometimes people say, if they're in depression or something, somebody will wake up so wrongly and say, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Boy, that's wrong. And I'm glad God doesn't say when I have someone fall, do your best to get up. No. He reaches down, figuratively, and holds me with a strong hand. Now, come on, y'all. You, I don't care if the stock market goes to 30000 in five months. You will not get better news than what you're hearing right now today. If you are a Christ follower, this is the best news you could hear for 2017. That your father will not, let me put it real blunt, your father, when you stumble and fall, will not count you as trash for the dump, but a child of his for the kingdom child of his for the kingdom. Way back in Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 27 a little nugget to close with. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. The steps, the paths of a good man are ordered Directed, orchestrated by the Lord. It's true of every person who's a Christ follower in this room. And he delights in that path. Now, now please, I, I was sharing with, with a friend of mine in the foyer, and she was sharing some difficulties in her life. I said, you know, the sermon may sound really strange today. It's awful hard to believe that when things are really difficult. But it's true. He delights in our path. Maybe for our edification, maybe for our strength, maybe to grow our faith, maybe to teach us. He doesn't make mistakes. 
He delights in our path. And if we stumble and if we fall, we will not be counted as garbage or trash. He upholds us with his strong hand. All I can say is, amen. Amen. I put a little note at the bottom of your, of your uh, sheet, your sermon sheet. If you feel lost today, if you feel like, you know, I used to know God, I don't feel like I know God anymore, and God's distant and all that. You know, I say there, you know, one thing you can do is you can go back to the last place. If we men could learn this, it would be really good. If you get lost, you go back to the place where you last remember you knew where you were and go from there. And if you're spiritually today going, you know, Dwayne, it's just been so long. I'm here. I don't know why I'm here today. I don't usually go to church. And here I am. It could be that God brought you back to a place where you last knew where you were. And he's inviting you to take him by the hand and he will lead you home. That, That could be so. That could be so. And then the second thing I wrote there, you know, it says, if you do stumble, if you do stumble, this is important what I'm fixing to say. If you stumble, look, what, let me read what I wrote because I, I want to get the exact verbiage. Acknowledge your sin right there, right then, repent. Don't wait till you get home and kneel on your bedside. If you're in your office, you can pray in your heart right there, right then, Repent. It's important we handle sin in our lives. It's important we handle sin in our lives. So right there, right then, we repent, believing His grace is sufficient. And then I said, within His strength, move on. Move on. Don't look back. Don't go back. Don't look back. Don't go back. Just a couple of pointers as you journey the rest of the 90% of the year as you journey. Because God wants you... Not just to survive. He wants you to thrive. To thrive. Now, just in case, and there is, maybe you're here today and you have never made that step and trusted Jesus Christ, as I described it, His death on the cross. The wages of sin was death. He died and took our place. He became sin that we could become the righteousness of God. And maybe you've never reached that point where you acknowledge what he did and believe, turn from your sin, have chosen to follow Jesus. And just a, right now, just a moment, I'm going to have my friend, Brother Brent, stand out front. David and the team's going to come up and lead us in a song. And it's our time of decision. And for some of you, it might be that first time decision to trust Jesus Christ. Trust Jesus Christ. We'll try to answer your questions. If you would come, we'll do our best to answer your questions. And if we can't answer them all here now, we'll make an appointment and come to your house answer more of your questions. Because the most important, important decision is trusting Jesus Christ. A.W. Tozer also said this. He said, the most important thing we think is what we think about God. The most important thing we think is what we think about God. So maybe God's called that to your attention. We'd be glad to lead you and tell you about our friend Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us, it may involve a time of turning back to God. Maybe you're that prodigal son. You're off, got off the path, and God's calling you back home that way. But maybe today you're just sitting there going, God, I want to get it right in 2017. I want to get it right. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to direct my past this year. Believing you delight in my way. And believing if I get it wrong, 
I'm not trash. I'm not garbage. Rather, you're going to pick me up and help me along. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so very much for the privilege, and it is a privilege today, to share these wonderful truths straight from the Word of God. I want to thank you, Father, that you are a loving God, and we are loved by you. And we want to pray first for our friends here today who may have never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. We acknowledge before you today that they don't need just a fresh start. They don't need just to join the church. They don't need to be baptized, just baptized. They need a relationship with Jesus. Help them to see that. Holy Spirit, we pray you'll draw some folks to the Son today. Father, for a friend of mine who might be a long way from God, and today he realized that you're inviting him back home. He already knows you as Savior, but he's walked away from you. We want to pray today, Lord, that today he would come home. And God, for all the rest, all of us, as we take these steps in 2017, we're going to believe you're going to direct our paths. Even though we may not understand it, we believe you're going to direct our paths. And that you delight in us. That you've got plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. And Father, we're going to live that way. By your grace. Thriving in your grace. Not just surviving. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.